Alright, I'm here with Zach, Zach Phoenix on YouTube. Hello. Zach, uh, give us uh, give us a brief rundown of who you are and what you're about. Alright, well, my name is Zach, I'm 29, um, I've been in Japan for uh, just over eight years now, and uh, I came over as a student originally, but after I graduated, I was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> so um, I work with digital media, and that's basically what I've been doing since I got out of college. I worked for a company for a couple of years, but then uh, uh, I switched um, to working for my myself and uh, opened up a production space in Ginza. And you know, because of the pandemic, we had to close it down, but we were able to open up a, a different space in Omotesando. Um I'm originally from Ohio, and I've got a lot of connections back in Ohio, even though I keep saying I'm going to eventually go to Arizona someday, because I went there for two years in college, I, you know, I don't have any connections there. <laughs> and every time I fly back to the States, it's always to Ohio, and I really miss the food and kind of the atmosphere there. But, you know, I'm comfortable here, even in this tiny box apartment, you know. And, uh, you know, on YouTube, I make, I make a lot of videos about what I do here in Japan or just, you know, the fun stuff that I do. And, you know, I don't like I don't like doing the clickbaity, oh, look at this amazing, wacky thing in Japan type of video. I don't like doing that. I I just like doing the I'm filming the fun stuff that I do here, you know, and that's right. what uh, that's what my channel has been all about. Well, that's cool, man. So you you said you originally like did you first come over here? Uh, eight years ago as a student or had you visited yeah, I came Japan over, before? I came over here. Well, I visited Japan uh, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago okay. as a student. It was during a, uh, my between my freshman and sophomore year of college at Arizona State, we were doing a uh, summer study program for mm. uh, Japanese language students, right? And I liked it so much. In 2012, I came back for uh, Sophia University's open campus and in 2013, I transferred to Sophia. So, Awesome, That's basically man. how I came over here, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> what, what got you uh, initially interested in Japan? I mean, there, you know, everyone has their own Every, reasons. Yeah, everyone's you know? got their story, right? Yeah, when I was in second grade in elementary school, um, we well, my elementary school was one of those K-8 schools, and mm. each year we had like a mission country. It was one of those Catholic schools, and the mission country for uh, my second year of elementary school was Japan, right? So first year, I remember it was Korea, second year was Japan, and then third year was China, right? I forgot what the other years were, but um, when Japan, was the uh, second grade was Japan, right? And that was also simultaneously, simultaneously when Pokemon became a massive thing in America, yeah. right? Yeah. And we were all playing with Pokemon cards and, you know, some people got in trouble and all that, but uh, we were playing the games, and I think it blossomed from there to video games, to anime, mm. to thinking to myself, wait a minute, okay, hold on, that this is pop culture in Japan. I want to know what Japan really is like. Okay, you know? yeah. Because a lot of yeah. people come over here with th you know thinking Japan is what you would see in an anime, right? And in some cases, you could see a lot of similarities, or especially the slice of life type of animes, right? But I've always asked myself, you know, okay, what what is this country really like? How does this country, you know, work? It's one of America's biggest allies. You know, mm. we studied that in school, right? And I've always been curious about how that came to be and how that, you know, how that's affecting day-to-day -day life here in Japan. And that's basically my motivation for coming over here to study. Yeah, well, well, cool. I mean, that that was cool that your university offered, you know, you an mm -hmm. opportunity and you just, you saw that and you took the chance, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. So so when you actually came over here, you you first came over here uh, just to visit. So you kind of right. had an idea of what Japan was like before moving here. In a yeah, way. I mean, I, I kind of had an idea because I knew a, I knew a few Japanese people here and there when I was uh, in school. Mm. So I had an idea of what to expect, and even when I came over here for the first time, I was a little bit. I mean, I was I knew to expect crowded trains. I knew to expect uh, you know what to, you know what to expect from you know intercultural relations, right? You know how to communicate with people and stuff. But even then, you know. It, it takes actually getting here and you know experiencing Japan to actually uh, you know yeah learn culture right right did you did you study Japanese at all before you um, came over here or yeah well b- before I came over here for the first time I had a semester under my belt so it, it wasn't enough but I had you know I had the basic communication part down mm. and uh, you know I, I, I took a class while I was here but during that time as well but then I studied more when I was in college and then I studied when I finally moved here but when I graduated I actually took private lessons for a little bit longer just to try to pass N2 and I, I didn't pass N2 and I, don't, I don't know if I will pass N2 or not but I feel like my Japanese ability has gotten a lot better after I left an English speaking environment yeah, yeah. that tends <laughs> to happen that tends to happen when you're surrounded by more Japanese you know so well, that was the thing that my university, a lot of the students were returnees or international students, right? So um, because of that, my opportunities to speak Japanese were not as often. And even my, my, my Japanese classmates were like, oh, why do you not use Japanese? I'm like, you guys aren't using Japanese. It's like, mm-hmm. if, I, if I was to use uh, Japanese around you guys, you'd be kind of upset because you're, you know, you're like, oh, we came here. To, this is our English environment. We want to use English on campus. I'm like, that's why I don't use Japanese around you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's funny though. Like, I, I mean, maybe you you find this situation too. But it's whatever the majority, of, right. of the group, what they're speaking, that tends to be the the go to language. You know, like if you're with a group of Japanese people, of right. course, you default to Japanese. You know, so. Well, um, that's the thing though. My my classmates, especially the um, you know the ones who are fully bilingual in English and in Japanese, because some of them they could only read and write English. They mm-hmm. their speaking ability wasn't there. But my classmates were more than willing to help me, help me with my Japanese homework and help me understand a lot of the grammar, the grammatical stuff. Hmm. Excuse me, but um, yeah, like if I was just speaking to them, like in between classes in Japanese, uh, they even if they were speaking in Japanese amongst themselves, you know, they would be like, "Well, you're the foreigner guy. You should be using English around us because." your art practice i didn't like that at all when they said mm-hmm. that i was like i'm not you know i'm just here to you know i don't really care about the practice side of things i just want to communicate and i don't know it was uh, <laughs> right yeah, yeah. It, when, when you feel i mean i'm I'm sure it's it's both ways too but when you feel like you're right. just being used just to yeah oh yeah on, you're yeah. exactly right yeah so now it, what's interesting is so you came here as a student and you graduated but unlike many foreigners who come to Japan, you opted out of going the easiest way to get a, a work visa oh, yeah. here, uh, and that, that is teaching. So how did you yes. get into, um, I guess this could also coincide with, with your YouTube as well, but how would, how did you get into video production, and how, how is getting into that in- industry in general in Japan? That's actually a good question because um, when I my, my freshman year of college at Arizona State, right, my my freshman year first semester, 
I was actually a film and media production major, okay. and I didn't like the. I mean, I, I liked the uh, making this, you know, making videos and stuff, but I was more interested in getting into TV at that okay. time, and um, I didn't like where, where I was going with the career track. It wasn't going to actually take me to where I wanted to go, so I switched to Japanese, and then when I came over here, I switched to economics. When I, you know, after I went to Sofia, so. It's kind of gone full circle, right? You know, I started yeah. studying about film and media production. I was really interested in, you know, back in 2010 when I was a freshman in college, you know, YouTube was starting to get, to get its legs and that's when people were starting to get paid from YouTube as well. So, right. um, yeah, so it went from there full circle basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was always making stuff for YouTube, but I didn't really take YouTube seriously, like I didn't actually spend time and effort to making stuff on YouTube until around 2014. I got really influenced by people making GTA Online content, and I had a uh, capture card for my PlayStation 3, so I was just recording that, and then mm. yeah, I, I gained a few friends and you know some followers from there, and then yeah, and then I um, I was actually uh, encouraged by someone like. Uh, she was a, uh, a YouTuber now, she's a streamer now, but she um, gave me a shout out on her channel and she was like, you know, I really like your Japanese content, you know, I want to see more of your Japanese videos and I think from there I was just like, yeah, maybe I should, because I, I was getting kind of burnt out on making GTA content, so I just, I was having a lot more fun making travel videos mm. and videos discussing Japan and stuff, so yeah, that's basically how I switched um, from there and um, because I already had that you know, sort of video production skill under my belt. When I was looking for jobs, when I graduated, uh, one of my friends was like, hey, we need, we need a video editor for this company. So uh, yeah, why don't you, you know, come and interview and join us? I was like, okay, let's do it, so. Nice, Just about who you know, really, you know, so. No, yeah, well, I mean, that's no, the, that was the toughest thing too when I was looking for work at, you know, compared to, you know, then compared to now, like, yeah, I know a lot more people now. I have a wide, a much wider network, so I feel like if, if the pandemic actually costs me my business and what I do now, which there's a chance it might because of how Japan's dragging its feet right now, right? Mm. With, the, with the vaccine and stuff. So because of that, I feel like I'm in a better place to land on my feet again. Even if I, you know, even if I take a job I'm not really happy about, I'll still probably have a, you know, a way for me to move right. forward. But well, you know, like with your, with the skills, you know, like uh, obviously you, you go to like a studio and whatnot, but you know, those kind of skills can transfer over to, I mean, with the pandemic and all, I mean, remote right. work, you know, like editing exactly. is, is, yeah. is, can be done remotely, you know? So, I mean, um, now, one, one thing I had a question about, though, is um, maybe Tokyo is different, but that's where most of these jobs are. But how is the initial right. pay when you get into this oh, God, sort of work? Because, you know, com compared to some other jobs, people might be thinking, oh, that sounds fun to do, yeah. but it's not so fun if, if the pay is yeah. not good either, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, because I run my own business right now, I, mm. you know, I basically pay myself. But right. my, the, my biggest expense right now is taxes because mm. uh, for whatever reason, like, I think most of my income goes to taxes right now. So, that I mean, I have to get over a certain threshold for me to be com or comfortable there. That aside, my uh, my initial job out of college, like, the pay was just horrible. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't enough. And that's actually why I started or how I was able to start my business was I was – you know, just doing video editing as a supplementary thing, and I was just getting paid from there. Um, you know, to you know, live a little bit more comfortably, right? But 
um, yeah, it was like 11, 12 US dollars an hour, but they, mm. you know, they did cover uh, food expenses for me and they also covered transportation. My, okay. That company did. They, yeah. they they reimbursed all of that. So so it was like a, a was it like contract or say shine or like I mean because no, they're yeah, reimbursing it was like a you. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a contract. Yeah. Okay, that's still good that they're you know reimbursing your your travel and whatnot. But so right. um, yeah. So had you always wanted to sort of do your own thing? You know, be, like have yeah, this independent streak. Like, or, you know, because you know for a lot of people making that plunge especially in a right. country that they're not from is could be quite scary you know like how did you just like just i was take that never step? interested in well yeah that's a good point too i was never really interested in doing you know just being one of those corporate dudes like corporate slave type of dudes right hmm. i mean some people like that because there's you know there's a lot of benefits that come with it but i don't know for me i'm much more of a fan of working for myself and hmm. i feel like i get more satisfaction from my work when i'm able to do that right and at the time, I was like, I was really encouraged by my uh, professor, my senior thesis professor. Um, yeah, I was really encouraged to do just that when I was you know, graduating from college. Um, the, the toughest part was just figuring out what to do for work, right? Um, when I was in college, I actually wanted to get into diplomacy and uh, you know foreign relations, right? Helping American companies, you know, with their dealings and goings on with Japan. Hmm especially companies that are having trouble with their Japanese counterparts. Like, I, I have no problem. Like, this is one of those cultural things. I, I got no problem yelling at somebody. I'm like, hey, you got to stop screwing this shit up or else you're going to, you know. Like, for example, the uh, Takata company, which yeah. has those faulty airbags, right? Like, nobody from the big three automakers actually sent anybody over here to figure out what the hell was going on. And that's the type of job I would have loved to do is like actually go in there and inspect everything and you know figure out what's going on top down bottom up left and right see why this is happening right and what's the cultural response to do so and in some cases being the hey stop screwing this up you know kind of actually getting in their face and talking to them directly instead of being the whole indirect thing that Japan is, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that sort of response would be controversial and they wouldn't like it, but I feel like it would be a lot more necessary. And I, that's the type of job I would have loved to do out of college, but I, was, I, don't know, I wasn't able to find out mostly because I didn't know any way to get into that sort of thing, right? Mm, so, mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, that kind of work is, it's, it's not really can't really like how would you describe that position you know like that's um you you know what you're doing but at the same time you know um cultural differences and stuff because you would think someone would you know companies would like that you know to to help right other cultures kind of understand why they do things and 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 whatnot but um as like i just like well I, i feel like for this sort of job i feel like i kind of invented that position because it's not really something that most companies think of it. and I know um, some companies have that sort of thing internalized like they have you know here like for example like um, I'm just giving an example Chevrolet for example they might have a or GM they might have a uh, branch office somewhere in Asia where they have their representative that deals with that sort of thing right mm-hmm. so yeah that's I mean that might be what what that would be like if I was to uh, you know 
join that sort of company, but most companies don't have that internalized. So mm-hmm. it was, I had, a, I wrote down a bunch of ideas for, you know, businesses that I wanted to start up. Right. And, you know, one of them was that, but I didn't know exactly how to get into that because I didn't really have the network. Right. But then my other idea was video production because I already had the skill set and the network for that. So, right. Well, I mean, that, that sort yeah. of answers the question then, you know, if you're like, yeah. well, Hey, I want, I like doing this. I have the means to do this and I have the yes, network to do exactly. this. So let's do this, you know? Yeah. But I, you know, like I said, I mean, because of the pandemic, I feel like it's been sort of, uh, uh, zapping my enthusiasm for it a little bit. I've been, you know, really getting interested in making more of my own media, con- you know, digital media content for myself. So, um, that's why I've been thinking about, you know, should I just switch to, uh, doing something different for work, but I don't know, that won't be decided for a while. Right. I, you know. Yeah. Right. Right now. I mean, it's a bit, I wouldn't say volatile, but you, you don't know. I mean, like, it seems like now the rest of the world is sort of getting somewhat back to normal in some places, and Japan is still sort of in this limbo state, you know? Yeah, it's and, kind of weird here right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it feels like, yeah, I think everybody is, especially young people, they don't trust anything that the government's saying, and um, anytime, like, everyone was just crowding into, you know, bars that aren't advertised on social media or anything like that right now they're just uh, they're like speakeasies because of the uh you know the tokyo uh blanket ban on alcohol at restaurants so it's it's a weird time man it's weird yeah that's uh when when i saw that i i thought okay i you know i'm i'm not really in favor of of a lot of i uh, here's i guess where i stand on it it's like either do one extreme or the other you know like if you're you're gonna do a lockdown just just do it like how australia did but if not then don't do this like half measure because all that all that has done here is the numbers keep going up and down the yo-yoing but nothing really changes and it's just sort of you know it just pisses everybody off you know it does yeah i mean you know what J- JR was told, like Japan Railways was told by the government to cut the number of trains in the morning. Um, I don't know why. I think they were thinking that, okay, less trains will force people to stay home. It's not like it's a typhoon, right? Yeah. And even then, people were like, oh, you're going to come into work? Even though there's a typhoon, there's no trains running? In this situation, it's like, there's still trains running, so, you know, and there's been, like, zero push for... Well, right, like a lot of companies stopped doing remote work back at the very start of the new fiscal year in April, mm-hmm. right? So ever since the start of April, trains have been jam-packed. And when they cut down the number of trains at the government's request, it's it was like worse than, you know, like their platforms were packed, the trains were sardined, and... Yeah. It was just like two mornings of sheer hell that I, you know, I saw on, I mean, I was luckily able to just go during, you know, around noon to work around that time. And even then it was still pretty crowded. So right. JR the other day, it was like, Hey government, we're not listening to you right now. We understand what's, what the deal is. We're not creating a coronavirus super spreader event on our trains. We're going to increase the number of morning commute trains. And apparently the government officials were like very upset to JR that they were, you know, you know, unilaterally abrogating them. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's, so well, even like you know the government's, you know, pets, right? The you know larger infrastructure companies are like, hey, it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and you would think 
like, you know, I've been, you've been here long enough too, but I've been here long enough to see that it's like they, everything that they try, the government, the Japanese government here, like, always is either met with a lukewarm response or a backlash or something, and it's like they never learn. They never, it. it's, like, it's like they it's just keep the trying to do something that doesn't work, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think they're, they're doing something based off of what the government bureaucrats reality is and not with the actual reality of you know the people on the ground right mm. and i feel like that's been that's been a recurring problem because i think the government still thinks that japan's in this like 1980s business mindset in some cases it is but like some places they are <laughs> yeah yeah and you know business leaders here are basically like you know that's not the case anymore guys you know this is something that <laughs> this sort of response especially to a pandemic isn't going to cut it right so yeah you know, what yeah. they really should have done was try to figure out how to domestically produce a vaccine fast and then that would have you know precluded any sort of uh well yeah because they wouldn't have to exactly like i mean that isn't that supposedly the biggest hang-up with the vaccines is they have to get them approved here but aren't they sitting on tens of thousands of is it pfizer vaccine yeah and they're just sitting there (laughs) because they have a shortage of healthcare workers and Hmm. here's the thing i've got you know i've got two relatives in my family who are both pharmacists right and they've been every day they've given out like hundreds and hundreds of shots and it's a very smooth process. Like there's so many different, I mean, I remember at first when when the vaccine came out, you know, it was a little bit confusing for people because the demand was so high, but now it's like, you know, my parents are like, yeah, we just pick a day whenever you come home and we'll get the shot for you, man. Even getting a test, like for me to be able to fly, like it's very straightforward. You just Mm -hmm. sign up and there you go, right? Mm. And if you go to like the Walgreens or whatever in Cincinnati, you (laughs) pull into one line and you, yeah. (laughs) One window you get the COVID test, the other window you get a shot and you're good yeah. to go, right? They, yeah. get the, they give out the one shot J&J vaccine right now and everybody's, it, it's it's a completely different world in America right now. And I'm just like, man, we're, we're, we're falling behind now. But, you but, know, last year, this time last year, Japan was under a state of emergency, but there was no restrictions, right? Under mm-hmm. movement, unlike in America where people were getting arrested for kayaking by themselves in the middle of the ocean, right? So it's a completely inverse situation, but at the same time, I feel like it's a completely different world, you know? Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. And last year, I thought we were a bit lucky in, in the sense that we didn't have any super hard lockdowns, you know, like there was still freedom of movement. It was just the society right. itself said, oh, you know, let's let's not travel right you know so that you know in a sense that worked but yeah at the same time uh, you know um the the kind of wishy-washiness about i think that the thing is with the olympics they were they're, they're trying to get yeah. the best situation for the olympics and it's it didn't yeah. it didn't work and now they're faced with the same situation now but now it's you know, getting down to the wire, it's like less than three months right. away, and you know, no one's vaccinated. You know, what three million yeah, people they, are vaccinated here? That's it. You know, they really should have. If they wanted, if they were so gung ho in the Olympics, they really should have pushed for vaccines hmm. a lot sooner. And I, and I, you know, this is a country that when they take health seriously here, like 
you know, the whole process for me to be able to return from the States is a bitch and a half. So it's like, why, why not have that sort of mindset when you're dealing with your own people? Right. And I don't know. Well, I mean, not everybody I talk to, but there's been right, a, a large, a large number of Japanese people I've talked to. This is anecdotal, by the way, that are against the vaccines. And yeah, you know, they're, I, I they're can understand so, from like an American conspiracy theorist point of view, yeah. but I don't understand that in Japan necessarily. I think well, Japan's got a history of fudging vaccine rollouts. There was an HPV vaccine that rolled out, I think, 30 years ago. Hmm. And I think uh, uh, there was a lot of deaths. I forgot how many, but there was a significant amount of deaths because it wasn't because of the vaccine itself, but it was how they were administering it. Okay. And because of, it was like, you know, they were, the way they were handling it ended up making it contaminated and that's how people were dying from it. Like, you know, like, I forgot how many women died from the from the vaccine when at that time, but Jesus, <laughs> that sort of scandal is gonna, you know, every time there's a massive government push mm. for something like this especially you know when they're trying when you're comparing America's government response to the vaccine both Trump and you know Biden both were very gung-ho on getting this thing rolled out as soon as they could right and um, the people were very receptive to it because I think in America we had this idea oh, okay you get the vaccine get everybody vaccinated and we're going back to normal because right. no, I think it's a it's a uniquely uh, it's not a uniquely Japanese thing to want to get back to normal as soon as possible when disaster strikes, right? I think America's got that same mindset, too. Americans want to just get back to normal as soon as they can, right? And that's the type of, uh, you know, that's the, it's a similar mindset, but you have to have a very coordinated response right. to make sure, you know, nothing happens, right? And see, yeah, so I look at, you know, Japan as a country that, after World War II, it, it picked itself up and, and you know, the, a miracle, like an economic miracle. It, it became, at the time, you know, like the second largest economy in the world. Um, it, yeah, even before the war, like, you, you go from, like, Edo period to Meiji, like... Yeah, they, were still like they went. Strong. Yeah, they went from, like, medieval period to industrial to modern in a matter of, like, 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's amazing. And then, then the war happened. Then they were able to pick themselves up. Then, you know, things like um, the the giant earthquake and then Fukushima, like Japan has been shown to pick itself up after disaster after disaster. But yeah. when it comes to this, it just seems like it's a big bungle, you know, like maybe, the, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the, you know, <laughs> so. Because this, um, this is one thing that Japan has been having trouble with in the last 30 years. And it's why the economy has been floundering here. When there's no innovation and there's no um, uniqueness, right? That's why you see the most successful Japanese companies and businesses. They buck the trends big time, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at the guy like, um, uh, oh crap, what's his name? He's the guy who's going to be on that uh, the SpaceX capsule. Uh, Maizawa. Yeah, Maizawa. Yeah, Zozo Town guy, right? That, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know shit about Zozo Town, but the guy is a billionaire, mm. and everybody I know who talks about him, they, they, if someone I know from my work met him too, he is the most different person ever. Like he is not your typical Japanese person, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people hate on him, and I always thought it was kind of oh, yeah, 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 unique. And another guy is uh, um, 
Horiemon, Takafumi Horie. He's yep. he's uh, he's one. Uh, I I like his books. I like his way of thinking. Um, he's not a very he could be come across come across as very brash to some people, especially right. in Japan. Yeah. But um, yeah. he, you know, these guys are very unique in the way of thinking and, and the way they're bringing business forward. You know. Right. So. Yeah, and I feel like that's you know the most unique people in Japan, like people who buck the trends and do their own thing. They're the most successful ones, you know. But you got to be careful with that, you know. Look what happened to, yeah. you know, because they always, if you stand out too much, you you get hammered down. I mean, they, they yeah. tried that with yeah. with Horiemon, you know, he was in prison, you know, so for yeah. a while, so. Well, I mean, that's what happened to Carlos Ghosn too. You know, yeah. he wanted to merge Nissan, and um, or. You know, finish the merger between Nissan and Renault to help, you know, Nissan's finances and exports. But uh, the Japanese, you know, board members thought that that was unacceptable, so they ended up arresting Carlos Ghosn and they railroaded him out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where he escaped? That was insane. That's like a movie. That's a future movie right there. I mean, that's yeah. And I feel bad that those two dudes got extradited. That was that's some bullshit. You know, they really shouldn't have been extradited because. Yeah. And I know there's a treaty between America and Japan, but like Japan wouldn't have done not, that the other way, you know. So yeah, like Carlos Ghosn was never gonna get a fair trial here, never, 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 never. They were they were stacked against him. The people that they were putting on the on the bench were basically handpicked by Nissan themselves, and then um, the government was just absolutely throwing him under the bus. And those guys who helped him escape were. I think they're sat. They were sacrificed, and I don't know what's going to happen. But hmm. yeah, yeah, like I mean, re- whether or not Gon did anything, you know, right. Ill- illegal or not, like the you're right, he wasn't ever going to get a fair trial at, at all. So mm-hmm. he he knew this, and he did everything he could. I mean, pretty smart of him too to to escape it how he did, and he's you know off yeah. chi- chilling in Lebanon now. So you know, yeah, really. But uh, and and luckily for him, you know, Lebanon doesn't have an extradition treaty. Right, in Japan, right, so right. And Japanese officials are just furious. Like it's kind of funny. It's like you guys were caught with your pants down, and you know. Yeah. So you're exactly right. How they how he escaped in the music case and stuff through a private airplane at Kansai Airport. That's just. Yeah. <laughs> you're exactly yeah. right. That needs to be a movie. Yeah, and hired to a father son. American duo to to smuggle him out, you know, like everything about it just seems really, you know, like it's true. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction, so that's yeah. that's it's it's hilarious when I found that out. But like, like yeah. I said, yeah, he may have done some bad stuff. I don't know, but at the same time, I'm I was kind no, of we just won't kind of, know because we're not getting a fair shake at right. you know, at his trial. Right. You know, information's the actual information is just being shredded by. Uh, you know, by Nissan's brass, and I'm just like, well, that makes you guys look worse, and then that resulted in the guy who got Carlos going in trouble actually resigning and getting arrested and, ta- you know, interviewed by the police himself, so. Yeah, I was gonna say, he ended up being the fall guy after all, too, you know, yeah. so. Oh, it's like, I would not want to work there. for company. <laughs> like, well, that, you know, that does not sound like a fun company, at least in the upper brass, to work for, you know, all, no, like, all sorts of all. Game of Thrones type shit going on in there, you know. Yeah. And it's been like a put like amongst amongst the expat community. There's been like a not so successful, but like a 
a boycott of Nissan, right? Everyone's mm. like, well, I'm not buying a Nissan right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I used to like Nissan for a while, and then... When yeah, I, my dad know, had a Nissan. Yeah. It was a nice car. Yeah, yeah, but... Whew, it's uh, it's I'm getting it's, one anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so now you've been now currently, are you in Tokyo or are you in yeah. Kanagawa? Uh, I'm in Tokyo. I was okay. gonna, I was, I was thinking of moving to Kanagawa this year, but I ended up not doing so because hmm. you know pandemic, state of emergency, having to get all the you know funds together to actually move and all that stuff. I just went through and, that, man. Yeah, so that was um. It it was in the ass. it it is it was like two months of of hell but you know like because yeah. I, I moved from kind of the Inaka area to down to Tokyo so <laughs> during the, and switching careers and everything so that was that was a very yeah big step like, but yeah mm. how'd that work because like you know how the whole landlord situation here like some of them are just something like all no gaijins right well. Like, that work I, out free because you've got a lot more of a, a stable career, I think. Yeah. So, basically, I haven't had. You know how a lot. You know, some people have their their company help them out with um, right. their, their apartment. I haven't had that since you know, maybe eight nine years. I've I've, I've got my own place. You know, on my own since then, and in uh, Tochigi was actually fine. Uh, I found I a I found a fudosan that, you know, were really kind and they were able to f- find me a place. And then I came. Actually, I used an app to initially search for places down here. And oh, I see. Is and, it like Sumo or something? No, um, it's called. It's a Japanese only app. It's called Homes, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. And they it connected me with, like, you know how like once you put your information in like four or five fudosans are going to start ringing your blowing up yeah. your phone trying to get you your business right and uh, well this one called me and mm-hmm. I looked at a few places and one of them that wasn't on the list that I was interested in they said well we have one more that you, we think you might be interested in that fits your criteria because I had certain criteria I wanted I wanted like at least two bedrooms a 20 minute commute to, to where my workplace was blah 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 like that right and under a certain right. uh, under a certain amount of rent and they're like how about this place and they showed me this place I'm like okay it's a little older than um than what I was in before but it has enough space it, it fit all my criteria and then mm-hmm. I, I met the uh, the landlord is just this really sweet old lady that lives on the top floor and she's really nice and it's it's been fine. Like I, I've been very lucky. I think finding apartments in Japan. Yeah, so, I had like I had a hell of a time trying to get this place here. Like this is actually not even the size I wanted, but it was down to the wire. I had to move. I was right. like, okay. So I just took it. I mean, I like it though. I've lived here for four years, and I just re up my contract again. But um, it's it's in a convenient location. Like uh, you know, I'm. I'm between three stations basically okay. within walking distance and it's you know it's 30 40 minutes to the beach wow it's yeah. mm. 40 minutes to my office you know from door to door basically right but the the downside is like you know i don't know what my landlord is it's, it's run by a managing company right like an actual management company and got it they don't ask questions right they, that's why they're like oh well pay us you'll be fine right mm. Mm. so the first place I looked at it was really really pretty like it was 
like five minutes walk from two st- from two stations into the same neighborhood, but it was on the other side of the train tracks. But it had a wide open space. You know, it was really nice. And I I met with the with the company. They're like, okay, let's just fill out the paperwork. You know, the the, the company was like, you know, the the company wouldn't have talked to me if they didn't have a policy of for foreigners, right? Mm. And as I'm getting all the paperwork set up and whatnot, um, they they get they get a call. They're like, oh yeah, sorry, this place is no foreigners. I'm like, this is like I have the contract in my hands, and you guys are now telling me that this is no foreigners. That's and they're like, yeah, we're sorry. That's some bullshit, dude. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know? I'd be pissed. I, I was furious, man. It was fucked up. I, I I just walked out of there right then. I didn't use that Fidel sign, so mm-hmm. they tried to show me a whole bunch of different places afterwards. I'm like, no, I'm not dealing with you guys because I don't trust you. But um, the the guy I talked to, uh, he was uh, he was a returnee from America. He was okay. this other guy, right? So the guy who found me this place, he showed me a number of different uh, units, and you know, one of them was actually I liked it a lot, but. You know, the the Gencom was massive. Like it was, the ceiling was really high. You know, I could have sort of biked there and skateboards there. Um, it was a loft, right? So the bed would be positioned on a, on a loft. And my apartment in Arizona was actually a similar loft, but you had a massive window and you know two actual stories in that loft in Arizona, right? But this one um, over in this neighborhood here that I was looking at. Um, my my head would be like I would, it was basically down to about here so I'm, oh, i would hit my head or if i bring a woman over right what's gonna you know <laughs> the logistics Ooh. of that right so um i was like man this is nice but i don't know can i look at the bathroom as soon as i walk into the bathroom the door hit me like right here as i was walking i'm like i'm gonna this is i'm gonna keep hitting my head on this door so it was really nice it was modern but they're like, yeah, this is nice. It's cheap. You should take this, man. You should take it. He was really wanting me to take it, but yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, I get it. I, I mean, I'm I'm a tall guy myself. I'm six yeah. six three, and e- even here, like the the doors are slightly shorter, yeah. but it's it's short enough. It's uh, tall enough to where I can you know just easily just duck, um, and not yeah. not not deep either. You know, like it's just like a, a slight head bob, you know, and that's fine and. Uh, yeah, I've, right. I've I've hit it a few times, but nothing I can get used to, you know. Um, you would you would think with more modern apartments now that they make the doorways at least right. tall enough for you know. And it's not like Japanese people are still relatively short. Like Shohei Otani, for example, famous baseball player, he's six three, no. like he's taller than I am. Like so, I mean, there's, I mean, I've seen tall Japanese dudes a lot, you know, and I feel like they need to start accompanying that. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, man. So, like, when you said your original um, office was like in yeah. Ginza, what what made you choose uh, Ginza uh, of all places? Well, I was looking at different properties to because uh, I had an idea for this office, right? I, I actually wrote out like a floor plan, like a sample hmm. of what it's going to look like, the business model, and I was running it by a number of friends. And I was looking at different um, commercial properties for the studio. And um, this guy I worked with on videos in the past, he basically was like, um, yo, we got this, uh, I, I got this third floor below the co-working space that I run. And you want to come by and use the third floor as the studio? And I was like, okay. 
that's you know that's basically it was the best offer available it was in a great location and it matched what i was trying to do in terms of networking right so right. Hmm. It, it was it was a perfect situation for that time but um the pandemic ended up shutting down that co-working space for one and then the second thing that happened was uh the building owners wanted to jack up my rent like i'm like no i can't oh man that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, shit so um, so so now you're uh where you said in in aoyama yeah aoyama and okay that actually that actually came about in a similar manner the uh the guy who had the property was like hey you know we need your expertise we want to open up a studio there and at the time you're like do you want to open up uh you know, a second studio in this area. I'm like, well, I'm shutting down my normal studio right now. I mean, I need, I need a new place to move it. So he was like, all right, we'll just move it here. So cool. That's how that happens. Well, so what has been the biggest uh, challenge with having your own company in, in Japan? Uh, I think you said taxes were, were quite high. Yeah, but... taxes and just all the legal paperwork I have to fill out every year for visa renewal. And, you know, it's just especially with the pandemic it is not um not steady you know what i mean mm-hmm. right right but, I mean, it was getting to the point where it was very sustainable until the pandemic yeah right and then even yeah. after the pandemic hit um throughout like october november and december i was super busy i was you know i had a lot of people coming into the studio i was making money and then the the second wave hit and then the government floundering and just making it worse and uh, this time around there's no stimulus or any sort of monetary compensation for everyone's like well you're not your business there was telling me they're like zach why are you complaining your business isn't being forced or told to shut down it doesn't matter it's an in-person thing and yeah. people are very yeah. skittish about doing stuff in person yeah right yeah. so yeah i mean we we can't even meet you know um clients or, or, or any people uh, except for online now so yeah. like all in-person meetings are, are kind of yeah a an, lot of the TV people that I know like a lot of the people I know who are working on massive TV projects their their production has been suspended since January they're not getting paid either it's like well come on you guys gotta do something here you know they're petitioning the government to say hey lift the restrictions so people stop having this thing of like oh well state of emergency can't do shit or give us some financial compensation because it's getting old you know yeah yeah it's it's kind of like you know that uh, in between thing you know yeah. either either do this or do that but don't do this in between because you, it's just yeah. going to end up killing businesses I mean that's the biggest thing it's going to end up killing business like restaurants L- luckily, well you know it's yeah. kind of funny right with the restaurants and stuff mm-hmm. like you had to well like all the big like big massive um, department stores in Harajuku are told to shut down but you walk through the back galleries of Harajuku those places are having a renaissance right now because it's mm. that's re- that's the only thing that's open and all these kids are going there and it's like you know they're ironically um, this state of emergency this particular state of emergency is helping them out yeah 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 I noticed that like I was I was there last weekend in Harajuku and more people were exploring the back like small yeah. roads and cafes and stuff I'm like I like this this is cool you know like yeah <laughs> kind of harkens back to what happened before the massive tourism boom you know it's mm. like you have the department stores but then the real Har- Harajuku was those boutiques and small cafes and stuff right 
yeah, yeah. I'm and, thinking Uzbekistan right here. I got these are lifesavers when my throat's dry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, this allergies this season have been horrible. Been but nuts. Um, yeah. But so where where do you see like um, where do you see your 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 company going here in the next year? I guess it's really dependent on yeah. You know, it's hard to say because you know I have to make sure that. I'm able to, you know, survive the year and make mm. sure everything's set up right. <clears throat> so, I'm hoping this. I mean, I got these projects lined up. I got I got these rather large projects lined up, but I don't know if those are going to be sustainable for the whole year. So I'm hoping I can get more people to use the studio mm. and get more smaller projects, like smaller digital media projects. And I've had a few of them throughout the state of emergency, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's where it leads. You know, I, I'm hoping that's where you, you just get a couple of contracts that you know kind of assure what's happening, right? Assure that that'll be operating, right? Right, right. Yeah. So it's um, it, it's not necessarily you know you're not unsure, but at the same time, it it still could go one way or the other it's, right uh, just exactly. a, yeah yeah and that's that's not always a fun thing to, to have to worry about yeah. either have you thought about how long you're because you said at some point you'd like to return to the states maybe um do you have any, right. any okay. sort of time frame on that or are you just sort no, of there's, enjoying there's yourself okay yeah 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 that's that's good you're just enjoying the japan life and for now yeah yeah basically <laughs> well cool man yeah I mean eventually it's one of those things that you know I feel like once you know that it's like yeah okay I'm, I'm done I want to do something else mm -hmm. yeah you'll, you'll know like, when the time comes you'll know that, yeah. people know at that at some point right yeah yeah well cool man so where can people find you on the interwebs I know obviously yes. YouTube so tell us about that all right, so most of my socials have the URL PHX787. So that, that's a bit of an older URL that harkens back to when I lived in Arizona and I was doing aviation, I was making aviation videos for YouTube. And um, my, my, my Facebook official page is actually Phoenix, V-H-O-E-M-Y-X-787. And that's also the same for my Twitch. Um, I don't have the URL for Twitch PHX thirty seven, so it's Phoenix with the Y instead of an I, and well instead of an I, right? So P H O E M Y X seven eight seven. That's my okay. Twitch, and that's where I've been streaming video games. That's where you guys can find me. But yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube is all PHX seven eight seven. So cool, cool. Come find me there, guys. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll link those into the uh, into the show notes. You guys go check them out and. Um, one final thing, like, what's um, what do you hope to do with your YouTube channel in terms of the direction that's going? So you, right now you're kind of doing yeah, more. I really more. wanted to get to the point where I'm able to kind of. It's actually like I'm not saying I should. I don't want to do YouTube as a career, but I would love to make a significant amount of money from YouTube, right? No. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I really um, like watching, uh, well. I like watching a lot of YouTubers because they do charity events all the time, and I, I'm like, yeah, I've got a lot of ideas for making, you know, you know, charity events and donations and stuff like that. Right. That's where I really want to get my YouTube. I would do like a charity live stream, you know. Awesome, man. That sounds cool. 
That sounds cool. So that's, that's cool. where I hope I can get to my you know, with my YouTube channel is to where I where I'm able to actually get you know to this point right where I'm and you know people are able to donate to various charities and stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's well, my goal. Well, yeah, uh, keep me updated on that because uh, that that definitely be something um, I'd be interested in promoting as well. You know, like appreciate that. I mean, yeah. I made a you know I didn't make that much money from the uh, sports stream I, I was I was live streaming the NFL draft last week but it was a very successful stream I made a, you know made a little bit of money hmm. not not you know not a shitload obviously it was just 30 you know 30 something dollars from donations but I'm like that's a great foundation to start yeah because you can and just grow it from there you know so precisely and I'm thinking to myself I'm like you know if I want to do these charity streams and stuff this would be a great way to do it like on YouTube because people can donate via the super chats and stuff and they can donate, you know, Streamlabs, I believe, has a way mm -hmm. for you to donate mm -hmm. and stuff like that to, you know, if you want to set up a charity stream. So that's exactly what I want to do. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, Zach, thank you very much for being on today. And appreciate, appreciate it. it. Everyone go check them out. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good one and uh, we'll, okay. we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Yep. Take care, bro. Take All care. Right.